Practice the clinical skills you need to succeed without worrying about making an error or getting a grade. Get hands-on clinical experience with orthosurgery techniques, airway management, and more at AMSA's 2017 Annual Convention, February 23rd through the 26th. Register today at amsaconvention.org. Have you discovered a major gap in your school's medical curriculum? Maybe you're not learning about how to navigate care within your community, or about how to properly implement cultural sensitivity practices into your patient interactions. So how do you close that gap? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where we'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. As med students, you're trained in how to fix bodies and illnesses, but you don't necessarily get the opportunity to learn how to infiltrate health systems in the institutions that make health disparities prominent. A group of health sciences students in Washington State were noticing issues in their patients and communities caused through social factors. As they tried to process and understand the issues in their communities, they were looking to take steps on how to address them. Through that came the Health Equity Circle. Two members of AMSA's medical education team, Chair Daniel Gauger and Programming Coordinator Jessica English, caught up with one of the Circle's founders. Hi, I'm uh, Luis Manriquez. I am a fourth-year resident in the Combined Family Medicine and Preventive Medicine program at Oregon Health Science University in Portland, and I'm the founder of the Health Equity Circle and the um, Clinic-Based Organizing Project uh, here in Portland. The Health Equity Circle is an interdisciplinary student group that works to teach students about health equity and then train them to take action on health equity issues using the tools of community organizing, or coordinating efforts by local residents to promote interests of their community. Luis is based in Portland, just one of three locations where the Health Equity Circle has taken off. We partner with a community organization um, at each of our sites. We have three sites, one in Seattle, Spokane, and Portland. Uh, And then we also have projects that are in development in the residencies at uh, Swedish Cherry Hill, Family Medicine, um, OHSU Family Medicine, and clinic-based organizing programs at Carolyn Downs, um, Country Doctor in Seattle, and then the Richmond and Scapoose OHSU Family Medicine Clinics in Portland. Through those partnerships and their local communities, they're able to effectively learn about the issues facing residents of the community and use their growing expertise as students for leverage within the community. Some of the things that uh, Health Equity Circle in Portland is working on right now are the development or strengthening of pipeline programs uh, for health sciences for uh, underrepresented students. And uh, there is some interest, although it's not off the ground yet, around a gun violence uh, campaign. And that's something that the Vice President for Diversity at OHSU is, is making a priority for the institution. And so we're seeing if there's a way students can get involved in that. And then the third issue um, is affordable housing, which is, a, which is sort of a tremendous and overwhelming issue in Portland. Across the region, their focus shifts depending on issues facing the local population. In Seattle, they are currently involved in um, a similar effort around diversity in the medical school and how to uh, address, it's called anti-racist, Students for an Anti-Racist University of Washington. And then there is a program working with the Tent City, um, to, which has just succeeded in uh, getting a tent city created at the University of Washington and helped with some legislative issues that Tent City was undergoing a couple of years ago. Um, and then in Spokane, there is work going on right now around uh, the development of this interdisciplinary project and working with the um, community partner, the Spokane Alliance, around 
uh, around uh, most recently uh, paid sick leave. But they're also taking advantage of community partnerships to learn how to community organize. Because although there are in fact ways for students to get training, it usually occurs outside of their medical education. So they've sought out local partnerships with groups who provide training in effective community organizing techniques. What we've found is that our faculty don't know how to teach us about community organizing because they don't really know about community organizing themselves. That wasn't part of their training. That's not part of their professional identity. So that's the importance of the partnership for making that part of our professional identity. There are a few levels why it's important for medical students to make community organizing part of their professional identity. The first is that we know that health is larger than healthcare. So even though we are training to be physicians and believe in the importance of uh, medicine, we have to be able to acknowledge that, um, that health is largely comes from the social determinants, the conditions in which people live, grow, and play. And therefore, we have to think about, as physicians, how do we plug into that larger question of health and health equity? Um, that's the kind of the first reason. Uh, the second is that um, physicians are public figures. Um, and so there needs to be some training, some leadership development in how to act as a public figure, especially if you're trying to engage around health equity. Um, and then the last is also that as citizens, you know, I think everyone should be involved in the um, decisions and the process of their democracy, if, if that's what we believe is the best way to go about making decisions as a society. And so community organizing provides uh, education um, around what does that look like and how do we do that? And then leadership development for public life and uh, opportunities to engage around the social determinants of health. You can also use this tactic to draw change within your own community, your medical school community. Luis mentioned earlier that one issue they were working on with the health equity circle was also an issue his institution was focusing on at the time. But what if there's an issue you're passionate about that hasn't worked its way into your curriculum and is in fact far from your institution's radar? There are ways to effectively intertwine the tactics behind community organizing with curricular reform. In, at the University of Washington, uh, the first year when I was a student was pass-fail. The second year was honors, high-pass, uh, satisfactory, fail, or pass-fail. Um, and students didn't like that. Actually, for several years, they had been saying that they didn't like this. Some, several of the deans didn't like it and several of the faculty, but it persisted. Um, and so it was an issue that we wanted to take on. Um, and 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 so the way that community organizing feeds into that, into curriculum reform is one, how are you going to bring people together around this issue? It's widely felt, it's really important, but how are we bringing people together? So the first thing we did was, was bring students together and understand where they were coming from and their different interests in this similar issue. So some students um, cared about pass fail because they were, they were tired of getting an 89% and getting high pass and being lumped with all of the, uh, with all of the losers in their mind. And some people thought it was just an issue of inequality where it wasn't fair. And some people felt that um, having to chase honors was affecting the collegiality of their class. It was affecting their enjoyment of medical school. And it was affecting their uh, opportunity and their ability to do um, extracurricular activities like the Health Equity Circle or like the uh, um, Black History Month or volunteering opportunities. And so they thought that this was hurting their development as a, as a provider. Um, and then the other piece uh, of how organizing fits that is one, you have to bring people together to understand where they're coming from. But on the next level, you have to know who actually can make that change, the change that you want to see. Um, 
how is the power structured for them to do that? And who, do, who are they listening to? What are the levers by which you can establish that change? So one of the things that we found out when we were doing our research on this was that um, the faculty didn't actually know how this decision got made. You know, each department was in charge of its class and there was a, a curriculum advisory committee, but that curriculum advisory committee wasn't sure if they actually had the authority to make that decision or not, if it went straight from the dean. And so doing that power analysis, which is a key instrument of community organizing, allowed us to actually know how to get something done as opposed to um, just voice our frustrations or complaints. Um, and so we were able to uh, to identify who was on our side, who was against us in this issue. Um, in the curriculum committee, we went and talked to the people that uh, were against it. We did our own literature review to show that there's really no evidence for maintenance of uh, a tiered system, but there's good evidence that pass-fail is better for um, patient uh, students' self-worth and, and students' um, wellness. And we're able to get the um, curriculum committee to vote uh, in favor of removing it and for the next year's class it was removed. Um, so that's the organizing cycle affecting ourselves um, internally in the medical school. Taking a step back from Luis's example, how can you put an idea you're passionate about into action? So the first one is that um, we don't work alone. Uh, so if it's something that is um, important to you, it's quite likely that it's something that's important to uh, to other students um, across the university and across disciplines even. And so the first step is bringing those people together, um, finding out where their interest is coming from and, and creating a collective uh, opportunity to address the issue. Um, the second step uh, really is um, doing that power analysis. So what is it that we want? How do we go from a problem, which is something that uh, that is hard to say that you've improved or that is hard to really get your head around to a issue that you can act on. So for instance, um, if we want to create a class on African-American health disparities, then we have to, you know, if we want to address racism and the way we want to do that, how are we going to address racism? So maybe we want to create a class on African-American health disparities, which was done at University of Washington, or maybe we want to make sure that the dermatology slides accurately reflect skin tone of the nation and aren't, aren't uh, my, uh, majority uh, white skin. Um, so that's that's an issue that we can act on. And then once we have an issue that we can act on, we can figure out who can give us that, what we want. You know, is it the curriculum committee? What's the process to make that thing happen? Um, and so that's kind of the second piece is, is uh, doing the research. And then the third piece is that you have to get into motion. And so as students, um, we're not here, we're not at our schools for very long. And so uh, action is a requirement for, for, um, for moving things along and also for keeping people engaged. And so that doesn't have to be, uh, you know, action for the sake of just doing something, but there has to be a way in which people see an opportunity to get involved, are getting involved, are making this their own. Um, and that generally means that it's led by students. You know, all of our campaigns have been led by students. And then afterwards once we're able to improve the importance of this issue we're able to improve the importance of the process and the level of student engagement then we can come to our faculty and say this is something that needs to be part of the curriculum and that's how our classes got started actually we were doing organizing for two years and we came back when we said this is really important to us it's been really valuable i feel like i have a better understanding 
of patients' needs and how to engage with them. I think it's going to make me a better doctor, and I want to make this available to everyone. And we were able to, you know, develop the curriculum from there. But if we had just come with a good idea, as or if I had just come with a good idea as one individual student, you know, I would be one individual student, and the amount of effort given to that would would be um, less, and the amount of power I would have to do anything would be less, and probably something wouldn't change. And then you just move on. You may also run into challenges along the way. So there's a couple of uh, of areas that are difficult, um, and I think the first one is time. Um, medical school is really hard, and it takes a lot of your time, and so that speaks to the need for having a uh, shared leadership, for having a, a team approach, so that people are able to um, to spread out the work, so they can get things done, and also to help hold each other accountable. It's a lot easier as one person to uh, to give up and go along with the things that are presented to you, and it's a lot easier as part of a group to feel the um, ability to maintain your, your fire and, and keep going and make the change you, you want to see. Um, the other thing I would say is that there is a lot of institutional inertia, which is a difficult issue. Um, you know, from the perspective of a faculty member or a dean, if we have some conversations and we do some planning and four years later we've developed a new project or a new opportunity, that's a great success. And from the perspective of a medical school student, um, if you started getting involved in that in your first year and it didn't happen by the time you graduated, nothing happened. And so there's a difference there in, um, in urgency, I would say, and in sort of uh, in, in timeline. And so that's uh, an important thing to be aware of and students need to push to move things along in a timely manner in our institutions. Another challenge faced is feeling like you're only a small group and you don't know where to go from there, or that you don't have the support network you need to make change, either at your school or in your community. I mean, I think that uh, the reason that AMPS is important is that um, students, uh, residents, and pre-meds need a vehicle by which to act on their passions, their interests, their um, their desires to see social justice in, in medicine. And so uh, I got involved in AMSA as a pre-med um, and uh, went to a national conference and um, became the chair for uh, grassroots for the REACH team, um, Race, Ethnicity, and Culture and Health. Uh, and from there, became the director of the health equity campaign for AMSA. Um, and it was through that health equity campaign that the idea for the health equity circle got developed and ultimately um, um, got started at the University of Washington in Seattle when I started medical school. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Daniel Gauger, Jessica English, Pete Thompson, and myself. Special thanks to Daniel and Jessica for arranging and conducting the interview with Luis. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Kelly Tibbert is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. Unlike any other medical student organization, AMSA is governed entirely by student leaders, future physicians like you. Are you ready to make a difference? Join AMSA's team of national leaders. Visit amsa.org slash national leadership elections to apply now. All applications close February 17th.